We're expanding our church library, but don't worry, we don't need you to show up with a hammer on Saturday. We've got...
Steve and I had lunch oh, back a couple of months ago.
We'll, we'll, we'll make it. We'll do it. We'll do it.
my name is Sally Merwin, and I am an elder here in this congregation. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. Our Heavenly Father, you invite us to come into your presence with joy and expectation. It surprises us to discover that you are not only powerful, you are personal. You choose to be part of our lives and want us to share our lives with you. We are grateful that you adopt us as your children and assign us chores as members of your family. Show us how to express our joy in your presence and how to live as your children in the household of faith. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Come, all you who are thankful, and God will give us joy. Come, all you who are heavy laden, and God will give us rest. Come, all you who are discouraged, and God will give us hope. Come, all you who are guilt-ridden, and God will give us pardon. In penitence and hope, let us pray together our prayer of confession. Gracious Lord, at times we have all wondered, what are we here for? Sometimes we discuss such matters with others, hoping to gain insights. Forgive us for too often leaving you out of the conversation and set for our personal interests. Teach us, Lord, how to be guided by faith, for we believe you have created us, redeemed us, and received us into your family. Forgive us for neglecting the leadership of your spirit. Help us to seek out and to claim your will and purpose for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Sisters and brothers, God saved us not because of any works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy, through the waters of rebirth in baptism and renewal by the Holy Spirit, this Spirit he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And now let us join with the saints down through the ages and around the world as we affirm our faith, saying what we believe in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now, as brothers and sisters in Christ, let us greet one another in Jesus' name.
Well, it is great to be here together this morning, and uh, I hope you sense uh, uh, the movement of God's Spirit in our midst, the warmth of Christian fellowship here at Church of the Palms, especially if you're a guest with us here today. We are glad that you're here and invite you to join us as we seek to follow God's call of equipping disciples for the service of Christ. If you are seated on the aisle side of the pew, if you would take the red friendship pad that's there and sign your name to it and pass it down, we'd love to know that you are here in worship with us. There are a lot of uh, announcements found on the back pages of the bulletin about the many ministry and mission opportunities uh, in and through our congregation. would encourage you to read through those, and I wanted to highlight just a few uh, this morning. Uh, first, a little bit later on today, during the 11 o'clock uh, worship hour, there will be a Nicaragua mission trip information session. Uh, we had a couple of teams that have returned from uh, Honduras over the last couple of weeks. The last of us just got back last uh, yesterday evening, and wonderful trips there. And we're beginning to plan our summer mission trips, intergenerational, to uh, Nicaragua. So 11 o'clock today uh, for youth, young adults, adults. Um, if you'd l be interested in learning more about that, we'll be teaming with La Vida Joven, Young Life in the city of Matagalpa in northern Nicaragua once again this summer. Today, beginning at 9.30 until 12.30, Suncoast Community's Blood Bank will be in the northwest parking lot um, receiving blood donation, all donations, all types are needed. So uh, we would encourage you as you are able to give the gift of life. And uh, we thank the, the deacons for their work in organizing the, our regular blood drives here. Although Pastor Steve is down in Naples helping a sister congregation um, with his preaching this morning, he did want me to let you know that you, if you have been involved in the Love Languages of God class, uh, that it will continue this, uh, this evening, beginning at 5.30 here in the sanctuary, and then the, the small groups will uh, meet at, beginning at 6.45. So if you've been involved in that Love Languages of God, or even if you haven't, would invite you to be here this evening for that. And also wanted to call to your attention, uh, men, that the registration is going on for our men's retreat on March the 8th from 8 to 4 up at the uh, Dayspring Episcopal Conference Center uh, in Ellington. There's more information in your bulletin about that. So uh, with those announcements made, I wanted to... Um, say a few words of, of introduction about a, a new uh, learning opportunity we want to make available to the, to the whole church family. We, it's called um, Right Now Media, and we have used Right Now Media on, with our uh, staff and with session and deacons for uh, video-based, internet-based materials that lead to, that feed into studies and discussions, and there are personal uses for these right now um, media uh, resources as well. And so um, we wanted to see a little bit about what right now media is about, and then Carolyn Wilson, our director of equipping, will let you know 
how you can use these exciting resources. Right now, media is known as the Netflix of Christian Bible studies, video-based Bible studies. There are Bible studies and videos for um, people of all ages, for children, for adults, for parents, for husbands and wives, for women's groups, men's groups, and individuals, with such great teachers as Andy Stanley, Bill Hybels, and many, many more. Here is a short introduction video that will explain it a little bit further. We're expanding our church library, but don't worry, we don't need you to show up with a hammer on Saturday. We've gone digital. Now everyone in our church can access a ton of great biblical teaching on video, anytime, anywhere. We know that spiritual questions don't just come up on Sunday. Any day of the week we might face issues about our marriage, or parenting or finances, and we're always looking for ways to deepen our understanding of prayer, of missions, or of discipleship. That's why we've given you instant access to great biblical teaching videos for all ages. Stuff for kids, like What's in the Bible from VeggieTales creator Phil Vischer, and Paws and Tales from Chuck Swindoll. Youth resources from teachers like Eric Mason and Francis Chan. Marriage and parenting videos from Gary Thomas and Chip Ingram and biblical teaching on a wide variety of topics from Tim Keller, Matt Chandler, Max Lucado, Dave Ramsey, Andy Stanley, Margaret Feinberg, Louis Giglio, and many more. It's a great way to supplement your daily devotional time, to find quality materials for family worship, prep for leading or teaching your group, watch Bible studies with your small group, and if someone misses a meeting, they don't have to fall behind. They can easily catch up on their own. Some groups may even have their members watch the video before the meeting, leaving more time for discussion when everyone is gathered. By making this library of great biblical teaching available to you when and where you need it, this is just one more way we hope we can support and equip you on your journey of faith. Um, as Bruce said, we have already been using this resource in some of our classes and small groups, including our staff small group and with our session, and now we're making it available to all our members and guests. Um, those of you for whom we have an email address and permission to use it will receive an invitation email this week. Um, and all you have to do to have access to this is click on the accept invitation and there will be very easy steps to follow in order for you to create your own password so that you can access this great resource 24-7. That means wherever you are in the world, if you go up north for the summer, you will always still have access to this. If you do not wish to accept the invitation, simply ignore it. You will receive a few reminder emails, and you can ignore those as well. If you do wish to have access, and you do not receive the invitation email, um, first of all, check your spam folder, your junk folder, and if you do not find it there, then call either Bill Mallett or myself. There's a quick, a little quick start guide in your, uh, as an insert in your bulletin, 
and our email addresses are at the bottom of that. And so feel free to contact us if you have any trouble. Um, I hope you do take advantage of this wonderful resource and that it helps you on your spiritual journey. Thank you. Thank you, Carolyn. I hope that many of us take advantage of, of uh, right now media. I think it'll be a joy and an addition to your uh, faith journey. And speaking of joys in our faith journey, it is a joy this morning that we have the opportunity to um, recognize new members that our session has received into membership. I'd like to invite you to come forward here and join me uh, up along the front here so that we can introduce you to the rest of the church family. So as you may be aware, those of you who have been around Church of the Palms for uh, a while, and uh, a couple of months ago we began to offer a, a monthly opportunity for folks to come and learn more about our congregation and have the opportunity to uh, make a membership commitment. And so uh, this morning we have the privilege of, of recognizing these, uh, these new members. And as we do that, I wanted to uh, ask you these questions that you have already heard this morning. But so that the congregation may know of your uh, intention as followers of Christ, would you um, please respond to these questions. Who is your Lord and Savior? Do you trust him? Do you intend to be his disciple to obey his word and to show his love? Will you be a faithful member of this congregation giving yourself in every way and will you seek the fellowship of the church wherever you may be? That is wonderful. And so uh, it is a joy for us to um, welcome these new members, David and Charlene McLean. Welcome to you. And uh, I'm doing it in order here. So I'm skipping around. Frank and Charlene, more of it. Great to welcome you all officially here. And Ruth, Ruth, Dim there you are, Ruth. Ruth Dimlick, welcome back. Great to have you again. And um, Ron Brandt and Jan Starner, welcome to you. God bless you. And uh, Kyle and Marsha Quattlebaum. Yes, I was saying, last name like Hedgepeth have Quattlebaums here. Just so happy to have that. And uh, Lynn Grimshaw. Welcome to you all. So as we welcome these new members, let us pray together. Gracious God, it is a, a joy when you grow a community of faith, when you add new gifts and experiences and talents to our midst. And so we believe that today with the addition of these new members that we are more the community of faith that you are calling us to be, that we are more capable of living into our mission of equipping disciples for the service of Christ. So we thank you for each one of these new members and we pray that you would knit us together as brothers and sisters in Christ, that you would pour out your blessing upon them 
so that they might find places to give of themselves and to serve that bring great joy and contentment and growth to your kingdom. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may uh, return to your seats, and I would encourage you after the service, if you would, to greet the new members out in the courtyard as you're making your way for refreshments. Let us continue to worship God. Thank you, Jonathan. <clears throat> and as the song says, we invite, and he invites us to lean on his everlasting arms as we go to prayer together. O oh Lord God, we begin by expressing how blessed we are this day 
as we come together for worship. We look around us and we see sisters and brothers who share our faith, our joys and our sorrows. We look together at the cross and we see the symbol of your commitment to our salvation and your amazing, amazing grace. We look in the Bible and see that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and that you search for us when we are lost. You celebrate with the angels when we are found. Help us, Lord, to find ways to express this blessing and gratitude to you tangibly with our words and our deeds. As we look deeply within ourselves in this hour of worship, if we're wearing any mask, help us to shed them. Keep us from playing roles, we pray, and pretendings. Things that without your grace we could become very good at. We can sometimes fool others and even ourselves. But we never fool you, O Lord. No amount of smoke and mirrors can keep you from seeing us as we truly are. You see through our worship when it's not sincere. You see through our prayers when they are more of an effort to get you to do our will. You see through our acts of charity when they are more of an attempt to buy ourselves a good reputation. Like you saw through the waving of the palms, the shouts of Hosanna, people praising you for the wrong reasons, people wanting you to be another kind of Lord, we pray you'll forgive us as you forgave them. Open our eyes to see clearly who you are and what kind of people you are calling us to be. Open our eyes to the wonders around of your artistry in the created world and the human community. We pray that you'll help us to love in spite of the obstacles of race and class and age and culture. Help us to do kindness in secret without the expectation of reward. And we people who have the power to exact revenge, help us to choose instead to offer forgiveness and to pursue reconciliation. We pray for this, not only in our own congregation, but for our broken world. We pray that you'll keep some world leaders from the violence and injustice and the fear and the starving people that we hear in the news. We pray for those who are nearing the end of life and pray for patience for those who are living with chronic health conditions. We pray for our nation. We pray for our servicemen who are abroad. So now, Lord, as we worship together, be it here or via the television, guide us into the rich storehouse of your word. Help us to see how critical of a foundation being in that word is to our growth as your followers. Help us to continually find there the wisdom we need to live faithfully and the courage we need to follow you wherever you lead us. We pray this in Jesus' name, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now we share together our gifts to God through the giving of tithes and offerings as the ushers come forward.
Again, we pray, O oh Lord, that you'll accept these gifts of our resources and of ourselves as a symbol of your love for us that we respond to with our generosity. May these gifts be enabling the growth of your body and your kingdom in the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And now, if you haven't uh, been a part of this segment, you'll enjoy it as Lori comes forth and we invite all children to join her. So any kids, come on down, make your ways to the steps and we'll have a little time together and then we'll go up to kids worship. So glad you guys could be with us today. That was awesome. We are continuing our series on faith. And our lesson comes from Luke 7, where we hear a little bit about John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist, remember this guy? He was that kind of odd character in the desert. He wore clothing made out of camel's hair. He ate grasshoppers dipped in honey. That guy, I know, ooh, right? Well, yeah, so this is the John who all of a sudden is sent to prison because he's been preaching about God. Now, he's the one that baptized Jesus, but now he's in prison. What do you think prison might be like back in Jesus' time? What do you think? Creepy. Creepy, absolutely. What do you think, Amy? Probably Come right up here. Dark, Come right up here. Probably dark, like dark and damp. Dark and damp, absolutely. Can you think of anything else? You think he had a lot of food? I don't think so. And I think there might have been like rats and snakes and it's cold and yucky. Well, guess what? One thing he had a lot of was time. And when he had that time in the prison, he started to wonder if Jesus really was the Messiah. He started to have doubts about his faith. So two friends came to visit him and he said, go ask Jesus, is he the one, is he the real deal, or should we be waiting for someone else? Jesus had to have smiled because he said, it's the stories of God's love and action in the world that would grow faith. Imagine that this is John's faith while he's in prison. Jesus says, guys, go back and tell him the stories of the blind people who can now see. <sighs> tell him about the people who are disabled, but remember now they can walk. <sighs> tell him about the deaf who can hear. <sighs> tell him about the dead people who have risen to life. <sighs> 
tell him that the good news is being preached to the poor. <gasps> All of those stories of our faith, God's love and God's action in the world help to grow faith. And I think we're called to do the same thing today. Share how God moves and loves and acts in your life because you never know whose faith you might grow. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you so much for sending your son that teaches us how to love and how to live. Give us the courage, Lord, that we might share the stories. Give us the patience that we might listen to the stories so that our faith, too, will grow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. It is an honor for me to come and share this distinguished pulpit with you once again. I thank you for that invitation, both to your pastor and your session. 
I want to read two passages of scripture today, one from the Old Testament. It comes from the book of Ruth, very short section, a beautiful passage. It's a love story in the Old Testament, and these are the very last words of it. Ruth is a widow. Her mother-in-law is Naomi, and Boaz is her Jewish suitor. The book ends in this way. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When they came together, the Lord made her conceive, and she bore a son. When the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has left you without next of kin, and, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her own bosom and became his nurse. The women in the neighborhood gave him names, saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse, the father of, a, of David. From the New Testament, the glorious New Testament, which tells us about Jesus Christ, we read the very first words of this new revelation of who God is and what God is doing. Hear the word of God. An account of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez, the father of Hezron, and Hezron, the father of Aram, and Aram, the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Solomon, and Solomon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, Joram the father of Uzziah, Uzziah the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz, Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh, the father of Amos, Amos, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. How am I doing? <laughs> After the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Salathiel, and Salathiel, the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel, the father of Abiud, and Abiud, the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim, the father of Azor, Azor, the father of Zadok, Zadok the father of Achim, Achim the father of Eliud, Eliud the father of Eliezer, and Eliezer the father of Mathan, and Mathan the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. So, all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, 
and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations. Which has got to be about the dullest three minutes you spend in worship in a long while. Am I correct about that? And if that's the case, then why in the world should we bother with it? Why go into it at all? Well, I, for one, choose to believe that the Bible is not a random collection of odd bits of data that's just been tossed together. I have the conviction that somehow Matthew had something in mind by listing all these names. And I, for one, would like to climb around the family tree long enough to begin to get some sense of why. Well, right off the bat, you, you can tell it's a Jewish genealogy. I mean, it starts out an account of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Each of these men was given a promise that had to do with their son. The sons were, by large, disappointing. Uh, for example, Isaac. Isaac was Abraham's child. Yitzhak is the Hebrew, and it means laughter. Isaac was God's joke. He was born when Sarah was 90 and when Abraham was 100. If you don't get the joke, you're not paying attention. <laughs> Here's the thing that starts right off and says, this is a family tree with two huge tap roots. They fulfill the promises that are given to Israel. And the story that Matthew wants to tell us is all about a Messiah who will fulfill everything that has been promised. If we were a Jewish congregation, we could all say amen at this point and everybody get out early today. But we're mostly Gentiles. And what we want to know is, does this have anything to say to us? Uh, yes, it does, and it comes through most clearly right off the bat in the fifth verse where we hear about Ruth. Now, the thing you need to know about Ruth is she wasn't Jewish. She was a Moabite. Now, Moabites uh, were hated by the Jews. Uh, as a matter of fact, the, the law of the Israelite had this to say, no Moabite shall be admitted to the assembly of the Lord, even to the 10th generation. None of their descendants shall be admitted to the assembly of the Lord. But here's Ruth, a Moabite, who makes the cut. <laughs> she gets in. The law says she should be out. The grace of God says she should be in. If she who should be out finds a place in God's family, who of us will ever be dismissed if we want to be part of God's people? This is a genealogy that makes a distinction between we and they. It says everyone, whether they're rich or poor, good or bad, if they are touched by the Lord's grace, they become part of the family. And to drive home this point, there are other women mentioned in this genealogy. Now that is astonishing. I do not know of one other ancient Hebrew genealogy that includes women. She may birth the sons, but they're always his sons, not hers. 
women didn't have a place. But in this genealogy, here they are, and such women. I mean, all of them had a kind of a shadow over their character. Ruth set her cap for Boaz. Tamar was a seducer. Rahab's name is synonymous with harlot. Uriah, the, 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 the man who had a wife whom David chose for his own. Her name was Bathsheba. She was an adulteress. And Mary, who of us can ever even imagine what she went through as the whispering in Nazareth went around when people discovered her condition. The very notoriety of these women should have dismissed them, but no, here they are. This is not a stained glass window set of people. They are not the saints as we might call them. They are the sinners, and because they are, we begin to find a place among them. What place is that? Well, this starts pushing us back into the gospel. What is the gospel? One of the big portions of the gospel is this, that God takes those whom he has created by his power, touches them with his grace, redeems them so that they become the children of God. Can that be found here? You don't have to read any farther than the third verse. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. That sounds innocent enough, doesn't it? Take a moment to drill down into the story that's found in Genesis 38. Let me just tell you the storyline. Judah's wife gave him three sons. When they grew up, the eldest son was given a wife. His name, her name was Tamar. Now, he was not a good boy. He died childless, and so Tamar was given to the second son to raise up the children for Judah. But he also died childless, and now Tamar waited until the third son would grow up, and so that she could produce children for the line of Judah. But she was not given to the third son. So she struck upon a plan. She dressed in the costume of a harlot in order to remain anonymous, and then she seduced her father-in-law, Judah, and became pregnant by him. But she was shrewd. She first of all demanded some evidence of his faithfulness. She said, I want your signet ring, I want your belt, I want your walking staff. Well, when Judah found out that his widowed daughter-in-law was now pregnant, he was livid, and he prepared to have her burned to death. When she produced incontrovertible evidence that the man who wanted to kill her for being an adulteress was himself the father of her unborn children. I tell you, those afternoon soap operas have got nothing on the Bible, right? <laughs> and if you say, I really didn't like that story very much, I didn't come here to hear stories like that. Well, don't blame me. Take it up with Matthew. Matthew, if you had any kind of breeding, you would have known that it would have been wiser to circumvent that little story. Forget it. King David and the Messiah are descendants of an incestuous union. And the word of the prophet comes drifting back our way. He was numbered among the transgressors. 
God's not going to be stymied by your sinfulness or mine. This is not a picture of stained glass window saints. It's a picture of real people, made real by their sinfulness as much as your sinfulness and mine is a reality. We find a place in this through two oddities in this strange family tree. Here's the first. As we were reading it, you had to have taken note of the fact that it's divided into three parts. And each of those sections has 14 generations. And if you're really asking the Bible questions, which you are supposed to do, by the way, then you've got to wonder, what is the big deal about 14? And the answer is, we're not sure. <laughs> Here's a possibility you might want to think about. The Hebrew language had no numerals, one, two, three, four, five. Certain letters, all consonants, of course, in Hebrew, bore numerical value. The name David would be spelled D-W-D. And the numerical value of those letters, when added together, is, you guessed it, 14. It may be that Matthew has created a genealogy a family tree based upon the symbol of King David. If so, he may be saying to us in those three sections, I want to tell you about a people who long for royal purpose in their lives. I want to tell you about a people who lost their royal purpose for living. And I want to tell you about a people who now are desperately seeking after God's royal purpose for their lives. What purpose is that? I told you there were two peculiarities about this genealogy. The second is this, that last section, the one from the exile to the coming of Jesus, it doesn't have 14 generations. It only has 13. You count them for yourself. Well, what difference does it make? Matthew miscounted. Uh, Maybe he dropped out a name like we, we forget names. He just skipped over a generation. Matthew is a consummate literary artist, and he didn't just toss his gospel together. Why would he tell us there are 14 generations, then list only 13? My hunch? I believe Matthew believed that anyone who would read his story about Jesus the Messiah and claim that Jesus for himself as Lord and Savior would become in his own century, in his own day and time, the 14th generation. Christianity always flourishes when one generation passes the gospel on to the next generation. The gospel is found in the scriptures themselves. And anyone who reads that gospel finds their life being changed. Can that be true? I mean, if you read the Bible, is your life going to be changed? I asked that question of myself, and I came to the realization when I looked at my own family that every person who ever had an influence upon my life in my own personal family did so because first they had read their Bibles. 
My mother, when she was just a, a young woman, heard a preacher say, I am as certain I will be in heaven after I die as I am certain Jesus Christ will be there. And she said what a number of us might say on occasion, can you really be that certain? She began to read her Bible and found that the preacher was right. And she became one whose faith was anchored in the scripture. As a teenager, my father couldn't get any of his religious questions answered. But rather than say, oh, phooey on all that religion business, he picked up his Bible and he started reading it. He said, there's got to be something that makes sense in here. He found there was. He gave his life to Christ. And for the rest of his life, he was a teacher of this book. My grandfather, when he was a young pastor, used to pride himself on always preaching on current events. He wanted to be relevant. Until his testimony says, God said to me in my spirit, Jesse, pick up your Bible and read it. He said, I did turn to the first page and the words leaped off the page. In the beginning, God... I have been surrounded in my life by people whose lives have been changed by reading the scriptures. So it shouldn't be at all surprising that in my retirement now, I find myself birthing a ministry called Bible Mission USA. Um, our whole point is to get the gospel into the hands of people who are struggling, who are disappointed with life, who, who are lost, many of them. This is a matter that is natural for, for us. It's what we do in our ministry. It's central to who we are. It's why we are going about the task of sharing with others the good news, because we believe. This is evangelism. Now, evangelism is something all Presbyterians believe in, but we don't always feel comfortable with that. Some don't. Some do. Our daughter is one who feels very comfortable with evangelism. She's sitting right out there under the tree with some brochures, if any of you want to find out about this. But she went with a group of Christians under a pastor's leadership this past Christmas Eve, well on into the night. They visited bars in the community not to drink with them, to sing carols with them, to sit down quietly and talk with them. And when the evening was over, they had given away over 300 copies of the Gospel of John. Can that make a difference? Who's to say? Maybe Jesus will say. Jesus was the one who said, the word of God is like a bag of seeds. It is as you spread those seeds out and share them with others that some will germinate and begin to grow. We who are Presbyterians believe that that is the case. The problem is we don't know quite how to reach those people because out there, a 14th generation is waiting to be born. But we don't know what to do for them. We don't know how to reach them. I wonder if we could just 
take a clue from Matthew. He said, reach that 14th generation by at least giving them a gospel to read. That's our mission. That's what you and I are to be about. We say in our work, let our hands extend your reach. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
May I say just a word? That hymn is one of the special ones in my own heart. All of the eyes in the verses, that's God talking. God says, I have a passion for the people, but I don't know who will go for us. And comes the chorus, that's when you and I come in. Count on me, we're saying and singing. And the thing that so often touches me in that chorus is the writer's word that says, I have heard you calling in the night. And what I remember is a 17-year-old kid sitting in his room at night, confused by what was going on in terms of God and me in that moment. And when I sing that hymn, that's what I remember. Saying yes to the Lord without a clue what that was going to mean. The Lord's got work for each of us to do. And the work can be special and beautiful. I pray God's blessing upon this congregation as you continue to reach out into that 14th generation to touch their lives. Remembering always that unto him, now, unto him, be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ because he works within us in ways that are beyond our even measuring. And may his purpose and will go forward from generation 